0: This is my Oh baby, don't for me. If I tell you my story, don't cry for me. I my time that's fine by me. This is my This is Michael Cohen and you're listening to the one and only Maya Culpa podcast. Now on the Mighty Midas Touch Network. So just look for the blue banner for all future episodes of our show. And by the way, this is your last chance to buy tickets to come to see me live with my special guest Katie Fang at the City Winery this Saturday, December 9th at 2 p.m. For tickets and more information, check out citywinery.com forward slash New York City. And now, on with the show. It's like a giant alarm bell went off this week, and everyone in the media suddenly woke up to the fact that if Donald Trump ever gets back into the White House, we will lose our democracy. Trump will dub himself King, and we will sink into a fascist autocracy. That's it. That's what will happen. And if you don't believe me, ask arch-conservative Liz Cheney, or read her new book, But she's not alone. She's not the first one who's thought of it. So, in all fairness, Liz, welcome to the conversation. Steve Bannon and Kash Patel know what time it is. On Bannon's podcast, they just said outright, oppose us and we're gonna come for you in Trump's second term. Kash Patel would be the head of the FBI. I mean, think about that. Kash Patel as the head of the FBI. And from day one, they claim that they will round up their enemies. And then what? Bannon asked Patel if he would be able to deliver serious prosecution and accountability against their political opponents. Patel grinned and said, and I quote, We're going to come after you, whether it's criminally or civilly. Then Bannon looks into the camera and says, This is just not rhetoric. We're absolutely dead serious. And here's the kicker, again quote, You cannot have a constitutional republic and allow what these deep staters have done to the country. Now, Bannon is, of course, repeating bogus conspiracy theories about sinister elite groups controlling the country. AKA red meat for the base. But let me be very clear about something. It's not a joke. And I was on Joy Reid Wednesday, and I said, and again, quote, Trump has got a hit list. He wants to throw his enemies in a Gitmo. It's not me saying it. It's not Liz Cheney saying it. It is Donald Trump saying it. And when he says on the first day that he wants to rewrite the Constitution, seriously, what he wants is he wants to strip the power of the judiciary and the legislature and confer all power to the executive branch. Again, that means to him. Then right on cue, Donald got on Fox and confirmed exactly what I'd said. At a television Foxtown Hall, Trump, the self-proclaimed day one dictator, swung and missed when answering a softball question lobbed by Sean Hannity. So let's take a listen.
1: I want to go back to this one issue though, because the media has been focused on this and attacking you yeah. under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody.
0: Except for day one. Yeah. Except Look, for what? He's going to crazy. Except for day one. Meaning.
1: I want to close the border and I want to drill. That's drill, not a that's drill. A, that's not oh, no. that's not retribution. I got it. I'm gonna be going to be, you know,
0: he keeps, we love this guy, he says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one, we're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. Trump chose to do a town hall rather than participate in the Republican debate, because why expose yourself to challengers when you could just get your ass kissed by Sean Hannity? I mean, Trump has never kept his autocratic plans to himself. So the glacial pace of the mainstream media to get what's really going on is incredibly frustrating. We can't treat him like he's a normal candidate. Why? Because he is not. And as I've said again and again, Donald Trump wants to use the presidency as a get out of jail free card. And we simply cannot, let me repeat that, and we simply cannot let that happen. But a new poll of Republican voters nationwide shows that an overwhelming 86% of GOP voters believe Trump will win the party's nomination in 2024. But when asked if they think there is a chance of another GOP candidate winning, only 16% said that there is a strong chance and 49% say there is some chance. When those same voters are asked which candidates have a chance of beating Trump, they say Meatball DeSantis is their top pick with 51% choosing him. And only 31% hold out any hope for Nikki Haley. Now, Chris Christie is already dead in the water. I mean, during Wednesday's mudsling of a debate, Christie was still, and good for him, was still the only one who took on Trump directly. But with only six weeks until the Iowa Republican caucuses, Trump maintains a whopping 40 percentage point lead over his closest challengers in national polls. And in Iowa, he leads by over 20 points. So be afraid, folks. Be very fucking afraid. More proof that everything Trump touches turns to shit. Kevin McCarthy, another shithead, announced that he will be leaving the Senate once and for all by the end of the year. And good fucking riddance, because MAGA Mike Johnson, the speaker who replaced McCarthy, said earlier this week that God had chosen him to be the new Moses to lead the Republican Party to the Promised Land. I mean, to be honest, not sure what's worse. A religious wingnut who believes himself to be chosen by God or Congressman Kevin McCarthy. But if you're wondering what's wrong with the House of Representatives, look, look no further than their leadership. They're fucked up. This guy, Maga Mike, doesn't believe in the separation of church and state. I mean, what? And lastly, as the final witnesses are being called, Eric Trump, well, he will not be testifying for the defense in Trump's $250 million civil fraud case. Most likely because he sucked so fucking badly the first time that he got on the stand that going a second time is just going to be even worse. Now, Donald Trump has gone after Judge and I mean, in multiple ways. Trust me, I know, including even swipes at his wife. I mean, check out this little gem that he whipped up on Truth Social. And I quote, get a load of this, Judge and Trump-hating wife together with his very disturbed and angry law clerk, have taken over control of the New York State witch hunt trial aimed at me, my family, and the Republican Party. Consequentially, the gag order that had been stayed was immediately reinstated. So Trump was back in the courtroom Thursday and is scheduled to be the final witness to take the stand in his own defense on Monday. I mean, good luck to him. Why? Because he's going to fucking need it. He is, hands down, the worst witness that anyone, that any lawyer could ever, ever not want to have. And now for the main event. We welcome back to our show, Tristan Snell, a lawyer and legal commentator featured on MSNBC and NPR, The Washington Post and The Wall Street Journal. Now, Tristan served as assistant attorney general for New York State, where he was the one who led the investigation and the prosecution of Trump University. Today, he manages Main Street Law, and you can check out his genius content on Instagram, on threads, TikTok, and Twitter. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Tristan, it's great to have you back on the show. And so let's just, there's so much going on, let's just jump right into it. Trump has bragged that he gave Israeli military secrets to Russia. So do me a favor, tell me, do you think that Trump has supplied intelligence that ultimately helped Hamas?
1: You know, the fact that we even have to ask this question is exactly why we have the Espionage Act in place, right? The whole point here is not that we should have to be able to prove that he gave X to Y and to Z and that it had all these effects. We have the law in place to say you can't give, you, you can't have improper retention of any of those kind of documents. Now, the documents that you're referring to, that was him bragging about those secrets, giving them to uh, to uh, Sergei Lavrov while Trump was still in the White House. So yeah, it raises all sorts of questions about what capabilities were actually given to foreign powers, including Russia. Now, we know that a lot of the other documents that were at issue in the Mar-a-Lago uh, document stash were documents that had to do with other allies and their uh, and their military capabilities. So unfortunately, we don't know for sure, but there, there are more questions than answers at this point, but it really looks, there, there's quite a lot of smoke and there might be fire.
0: So who's going to ask the questions? How do we as citizens of this country, we are entitled. I don't understand what's going on in Congress, not just on the Republican side, but on the Democratic side as well. And I get that the Democrats are frustrated because the House is right now, controlled by Republicans. So any type of investigation that could be injurious to the orange Jesus somehow manages to be ignored. What I'm trying to figure out is how do we demand transparency? I would like to know whether or not the documents that he showed Sergei Lavrov, the documents that he had shown to the uh, billionaire that was the Australian billionaire at mar or whether the documents that he was waving around, whether or not these, things, including the Iran, potential Iran um, attack, yep. I would like to know whether or not these had deleterious effect upon the safety and security of Israel, more importantly, the safety and security of the United States of America.
1: I'm with you, Michael. I really don't understand what's going on with a lot of these things either. Uh, I'm hopeful that maybe there are some things going on that we're not privy to in terms of grand jury investigations going on with DOJ. Uh, you know, there has been a lot of chatter that there is still a grand jury uh, we, well, we know a little bit that there is definitely still a grand jury hearing testimony regarding the uh, the pilfered documents. Uh, and there have been there's been shattered that that could result in a second indictment, uh, potentially that would be in a different district like New Jersey or D.C. And I wonder if they're getting into some of these other topics about not just that the documents were retained, which by itself is a felony, but that the documents then, in fact, did make their way into the hands of people that shouldn't have had them, uh, and that some of that could have been intentional. We don't know. I also share your frustration with the lack of aggressiveness or just even assertiveness that we're seeing out of the Senate Democrats. Uh, yes, it's mm-hmm. it, obviously the House. The, the House is in Republican hands, and they're going to uh, they're going to they're, they're going to put the kibosh on anything that comes anywhere near Trump. Uh, However, on the Senate side, there's not nearly enough going on. Only now, it took six months of this year, maybe even longer, it took the better part of 2023 for us to finally get subpoenas out of the Senate Judiciary Committee on Harlan Crow and on what exactly was done with regard to Clarence Thomas and his finances. That's how long that took. It shouldn't have taken that long. I think the first ProPublica piece on Clarence Thomas and all of his sugar daddies came out at some point in like, I wanna say March. I'd have to go look it up, but it took that long. It's taken forever. I don't know why we're not seeing more action being taken on here, and I'll throw in one other thing, which is that, again, this could be a coincidence or it might not be a coincidence, but we know that the time at which Trump was out. Was was taking these documents was obviously January of 2021. In the fall of 2021, I think it was October. There was a there was a, a special bulletin put out by U.S. intelligence services saying that there had been an increased number of U.S. intelligence assets overseas. We're talking about people, We're talking about spies. We're talking about f- spies. You know, foreign national spies providing intelligence to the United States that an increased number of them were being killed, captured, or compromised. And this was highly, highly unusual, but there was a massive uptick that, and that was so large and such a big problem that they actually issued a report about this, effectively went public. Intelligence services never go public with anything. They went public with this about nine months after Trump left office. Is that a coincidence? We don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know the old expression where there's smoke, this fire. It just seems it just seems realistic. But you know, for my listeners, I want them to understand a little bit about who Tristan Snell is. You were part of the prosecutorial team against Trump University on behalf of the New York Attorney General case. And there's a lot of similarities between the Trump University case. That was done under Eric Schneiderman. Yep.
1: Correct? Yes. That's right.
0: And the and the case that's currently right now pending by Attorney General Tish James. Yep. They are both civil cases. Yes. Trump University, there was no criminal uh process for that. Nope. That was civil as well. So on par with that civil case, how do you think that Tish James and her prosecutorial staff are doing?
1: I think they're doing a heck of a job. You know, they're not going to win. Put it this way. I would challenge anybody, even even you and I, Michael, to name any of the attorneys that are working for Tish James on this matter, the ones that have been appearing in court. We don't know who any Colleen of Colleen Faraday? Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, you, got, you got one. You got one.
0: You have that's Kevin
1: Wallace. Oh, no. yes, yeah, 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 Kevin Wallace. That's right.
0: <laughs> we got two. They're, that's they're pretty two good. Council.
1: That's pretty good. Thank you. you Thank I, you I, very I, much. Well, actually, well, don't, you, you don't have an forget un- how involved un- I un- was.
0: I sure, sure, do. But tell me, how do you think? How do you think? How do you think they're doing?
1: Here's the thing but that's by design it's not i was proud i'm proud it. got to work in that office i was there for three years it is not a place that it, it's not about being a star there you're not going to get headlines you're not going to get in front of the cameras like that's not what you're there for it is an office where you put your head down and you grind it out and 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 that's the ethos there it's very much a workmanlike mentality and that's what they've done with this case you're not going to remember any sort of gotcha moments or any sort of like you know, there's no Perry Mason. There's no Matlock. There's no law and order moments going on in this trial. It's just brick laying. brick by brick by brick. They're setting up this case, by way by the way, again, which they've already won a big chunk of it. But they, they, the, this mm-hmm. trial, which has been going on and on and on and on, but they're just laying the bricks in the wall, putting them all together. I think they've done a very, very good job of that. They're going to have more work to do on appeal but I think they've done a very good job. And yes, like the Trump University case, this is a civil enforcement action being brought under what's called Executive Law 6312, which is a uh, which is a key statute that allows the AG's office to go after persistent or repeated fraud or illegality.
0: And let's not forget, I believe the settlement in the Trump University case was what, $28 million? $25, 25 Give a million.
1: Yeah, $25 Tw- $25 million. Million? Yep.
0: Yeah. Question for you. Did you were you involved in the ultimate settlement? Would you have known where the funds actually came? Because there's always been this sort of shroud of of question that that money was not even paid by Donald. It was by some mega donor who ultimately put the money up for him. That would be something interesting to find out.
1: I believe I've saw. Number one, I was actually not at the office anymore when we reached the settlement. So I left the office in 2014 and the settlement happened in November 2016, and then it was finalized in the courts uh, a year or so after that. Uh, the In terms of who paid the settlement, I believe that I've seen reports that he actually borrowed that money, that that was something he got in a loan, uh, that that's where it came from. Uh, but I would have to go back and look that up. I do think it's overall an interesting question. I think how he pays for anything is an interesting question. And then that brings us to the $40 million thing, which I'm guessing you're probably going to ask about. Uh, But I have some thoughts around that and what it signifies in terms of his ability to come up with cash for things.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com forward slash Cohen, and get on your way to being your best self. Now, you often hear me talk about PTSD, right, post my incarceration. And you would think that being home, even though I'm home now longer than I was incarcerated with my family and my friends, should help to relieve these feelings. So for whatever reason, and one I can't explain, end of the year and holiday season, it's a lot harder to process than I thought it would be. This time of year can be a lot for many of us, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. And therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. Now, for many people, myself included, Seeking therapy or opening up to another person, it's a very difficult proposition. So let me tell you what therapy offers. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced some type of major trauma, like I did 51 days of solitary confinement. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, to be flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Cohen today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P. dot com slash Cohen. You know, a lot of people, especially the Trump team, are criticizing Tish James for her daily—we'll uh, call it like her daily analysis of mm-hmm. the testimony of the case. And of course, Trump's team says it's high, It's just highly. Um, It's just highly wrong for the attorney general to be doing that, that she's making it all about her, which, of course, was how she ended up uh, on her platform running for attorney general to get Donald and so on. Now, of course, this is team Trump making these, you know, these statements. What's your position on that? Because Schneiderman did the same thing, by the way.
1: Sure. So it's okay for Trump to offer his analysis and, and get on his bully pulpit, get on his soapbox to, to do this, but it's not okay for the elected attorney general of the state of New York. Can't do that. Is that that's apparently the standard here, I guess. Uh, show me an elected prosecutor who doesn't do such things. That would be the anomaly. They're, they're, they are elected political figures, they need to be actually showing to the people that they're, that they're doing the work that they were voted in to do. So of course, she's going to do that. It's not improper for her to do that. Uh, she's simply, you know, she, yeah, she's engaging in some summar, summarizing and editorializing, but she's uh, she's an elected official. She's allowed to go do that. In fact, it's really her job. And, and yes, it's something that Schneiderman did. Um, uh, it's something that Andrew Cuomo did when he was New York AG uh, yep. It was something that Rudy Giuliani used to do. And in fact, uh, you know, he really was one of the people who started using the media more as a not even elected, but as a as a as a prosecutor when he was the appointed Head of the Southern District as a federal prosecutor uh, back in the eighties, uh, you know. But the idea that you're going to then have like, oh, you're going to have that lead prosecutor do a press conference. Yeah, that's going to happen. Of course, that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and it's perfectly appropriate for it to for it to for it to work that way. In terms of the forty million dollars, I think the real key there is he took it from the one entity that he wasn't allowed to touch or that he, he had to report if he was taking money from it. all the places all over the world where he could potentially get money from. And the one uh, the one uh, cookie jar that he took the money from was the one that the, that the state of New York and the judge were sitting there looking at. You know, that's the one he takes the money from. To me, what that says is he's not able to really get bank loans nearly as much as he used to be able to. Uh, I also think that the fact that he didn't try to get that money and what's the money being used for he paid a 29 million dollar tax bill supposedly and a 5.5 million dollar payment to eugene carroll uh, arising from that jury verdict earlier this year for defamation and sexual assault uh the uh the fact that he couldn't come up with that cash from some other means you know to me shows that he's really having a liquidity crunch And also shows to me that he's wary of pulling that money too much from his political donations, because that's the place where we know he can raise very large amounts of money. But the problem there is that he really is not supposed to be using that for personal use. And he has been. He's been paying for a lot of his legal bills in all of these cases using political donations, which already is very suspicious, and we have reason to believe that it's actually getting investigated. God knows if that, that will go anywhere, but he's probably committing campaign finance. Well, that one, yeah, that on one's not
0: going to be a problem. Yeah, that's I don't see that as being a problem. If anyone takes a look at the way his pack is set up, yeah, it is clear. I mean, it is somewhat buried, but it has been made crystal clear by the press that well, Donald has absolute discretion over 90% of all the funds that come in. That means he can use it for whatever he wants. He could go buy a fucking Bugatti with it if that's what he really wants. Um, You know, there is no, there is absolutely no restriction. And it says so in those documents. So, of course, he would claim that everybody knew that if you gave a dollar... That 90 cents of that dollar, Donald had complete and total discretion over. Whether it's right or wrong, that's a whole nother story. Whether it's deceiving uh, or deceitful to your followers, to your supporters, absolutely it is. But I don't believe that this is one that they're going to get him on. I did want to ask you a follow-up question to the current case with Tish James. So you think that the prosecutors on behalf of the state are doing a good job. What about Trump's legal team? How do you think that they're doing?
1: Well, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll say the, the weird thing here. Look, I don't think that they're doing a terribly good job overall. I mean, for one thing, uh, it is very unclear if they they either forgot to check off the box on the form that 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 was all they needed to do in order to get a jury trial or they purposefully decided that they wanted a bench trial and not a jury trial. This was a case in which they absolutely positively needed to get this in front of a jury in front of it, rather than rather, rather than in front of the judge in terms of having this trial. And the reason why is because Judge engoron has also been overseeing all of the discovery and in, uh, in, in this matter. And he had already, he is the same judge, who a year or so ago, it was a year and a half ago now, uh, issued a sanctions order mm. that ultimately resulted in Trump paying $110,000 for failing to produce documents in this matter. He was the one who was getting annoyed with them because they refused to provide Trump and Ivanka and Don Jr. and Eric for depositions. Uh, he already had no patience for them anymore. The idea that you should be having him try this case was insane. So either they screwed up and filled out the form wrong or they or they purposefully did this to themselves. but either way, this was that was a, a horrible mistake that automatically lowers their grade. Now, the question is, do they get an F or do they get like a D or a C minus? I do think that given their goals, they are kind of weirdly achieving them, although I think it has more to do with Trump than the than the lawyers. He is, you know, I guess you give a little bit of a credit to to Haba in a way. I mean, here's why it's it's not really legal. it's it's political, right? there There are two things that he's really trying to do now because the he has got a terrible case. He has no leg to stand on legally, to be clear. Like the one thing he keeps trying to trot out, is this worthless clause that he keeps referring to, the fine print, the disclaimer that says, do not trust these financial statements effectively. Uh, The problem is that under the statutory fraud provision that we're working with here, uh, that they've they've actually sued him under, you can't actually get out of that just by providing fine print or disclaimer. It doesn't matter. It's still, if it was deceptive, it was deceptive. It doesn't matter if you have that uh, phraseology in there. so he doesn't really have a legal case to stand on here. You know, he could try to win some points on appeal. We'll see. But what's he really been trying to do this whole time? It's all theater. He's doing two things. Yeah. One is trying to goad Judge Angoron into overreacting so that he has something that he can say, oh, the judge was biased against me. I get a new trial. It's a mistrial. Number two, is has nothing to do with the case at all. It's just to play his little sad violin and and, and, and stick his hat out for money. From his supporters, I'm I'm being yeah, the martyred, court of public opinion, court of public opinion, the court of MAGA. Oh, look at me! Mm-hmm. I'm I'm being I'm being uh, I'm being crucified, uh, and 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 you need to give me money to save me. That's pretty much what he's doing there. So, given that those are really the main goals that he's doing, they are kind of doing them. Um, although, again, Trump is really doing most of the heavy lifting there with with his martyrdom act um, and his outbursts. So, you know, uh, so I guess he's he's kind of achieving some goals, but is that like, does that mean he's doing well as a legal team? Not really. Uh, and I think the fact that they screwed up this jury trial thing is going to come back to haunt them in well, a very, so very I big
0: way. to. So let me, so let me, sure. So let me just jump yeah. in and ask you a quick question yeah. on that because I've heard certain people say that even if they did, and it's Alina Haba who failed to, to check the box.
1: We think that's so right. So assuming.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been acknowledged. She failed to check the box. The argument, though, is that even had she checked the box, that it would not have mattered because based upon the type of case that it is, that it's not a case for a jury trial anyway. It was going to be a bench trial no matter what. And I'm not so sure that's right. But then again, this, this isn't really my area of expertise.
1: These cases, it's usually referred to as a special proceeding under New York law with the AG's office. Uh, the AG's office has the ability to bring its cases as special proceedings Those are considered to be a little bit different than a garden variety uh, legal action. Uh, and typically they are not brought as, uh, as, as, as jury trials. They are usually brought as bench trials. I would have to, it's actually a good question. And I'm guessing that other people have dug even more deeply into this than I have about whether or not that's true. I know from my time there that it was very atypical for it to be a jury trial, but I don't know that it was impossible for it to have been a jury trial. I think it could have been something where they mm-hmm. could have moved for it and they might have succeeded at getting it. Uh, but I also I hear that, though, it, so it's possible that that's right. But I also kind of he, I also hear that and I kind of feel like that's somewhere in there. That might be some after after the game rationalization for why they didn't check the box off. That might be bullshit, but I'm not sure. So mm-hmm. th- it's a good question. Uh, could they have actually done it? But the fact that it only came to light, well, th- there was the, all the hubbub when this first came out. They didn't even check the box off. For the first two days, no one made that point. That, oh, well, that was because they couldn't have checked the box off. They weren't allowed to. Right. No one made that point. It feels fishy. It feels like something that people came up with after the fact.
0: Tristan, you know what's going to be really funny? Is after Donald loses, and he will – look, he's already lost the he's liability lost. portion That's right. of this case. He's lost yes. that. This is now – a case based upon damages, the disgorgement aspect yes. of the case. And I personally, and being that I had been involved in this trial, I think that Trump's lawyers are doing a terrible job uh, in terms of reducing how much Judge engoron can disgorge the uh, Trump yeah. corporation based on, you know, having people come in and make claims that are completely irrelevant to what the judge is looking for certainly doesn't advance anyone's belief that they have a clue on how to limit how much money that Donald, the Trump corporation, will have to pay. So I personally find that they're doing an absolutely terrible job. The one thing that I agree with you on is the fact that they are absolutely playing this for a court of public opinion, yeah. and that's that's what he's going to do. He's going to try to ride this all the way to the end, um, yeah. and hope that there will be an appealable issue. They're going to yeah. try. My question, though, I wanted to ask you: Assuming that it comes out to the two hundred and fifty million, I think it's more. Because of penalty, interest, and so on, mm-hmm. um, how much? Let's assume it's just the it's the two hundred and fifty baseline that Tish James put in her complaint. Mm-hmm. Now he files the appeal. We already know that, even if it's for a dollar, he yeah. files the appeal. Yes. How long do you think that appeal will take before which the appellate court? And does this go yeah. to the Second Circuit? Uh, and no. if it does, how long?
1: It won't. It will go to, so it will go to, it's a state court case. It's being, it's being tried here in Manhattan, uh, New York County. So it's a New York County Supreme court is what it's called is basically our, our district court here. Uh, and then from here it goes to what's called the appellate division first department. So for, uh, for listeners, uh, it's akin to like the circuit court system, but within New York, we have four departments, based on the geographical region of the state. And that's the intermediate Right, level number one court. is Manhattan. And, num- sure. and, 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 and yeah, and the first department covers Manhattan. It's going to go there. And then from there, it would go to the New York Court of Appeals, which is our state's high court. Um, and it, from there, it could go, you can, you, can t- you can apply for a cert to go to the Supreme Court to appeal a state court final opinion. Um, But they're not granted very often, and I don't think they would get granted in this case. The Supreme Court, I would believe, is not going to take on this matter. The Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court usually stays away from uh, hearing appeals of purely state law matters. There is no federal law involved in this matter, so it's unlikely that the uh, U.S. Supreme Court would weigh in. So whatever the New York Court of Appeals does is probably gonna be the final word on this matter. I think that this could take at least a year, sadly. I think it's gonna be a long process. The appeals courts in New York do not work super quickly. They don't really work that quickly at the federal level either. Uh, These things take time, sadly. And so I think we're we're gonna near the end of the trial phase for this matter. There's gonna be a bunch of post-trial motions but then I think we're gonna end up in an appeals process that will be frustratingly lengthy.
0: Yeah, which is exactly what Trump wants. You know, know. It's push, delay, push delay, it, delay, 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 delay.
1: Well, if he has yeah. no that's other that's parts the left absolute play, game. That's right. Yeah. And that's you know, that's sort of a, a through line that I talk about. I talk about the the HABA, the box checking thing. I talk about the counterattacks, and I also talk about the delay factor of this. That's all through the, the the book that I just did that's coming yeah. out. Like, we get into all of that because that's, like, the delay thing is really part of the key. It helps him with statute of limitations things. It helps him with kind of, you know, being able to keep raising money in the meantime. In this case, he's trying to kick any can down the road to post-November 2024. He wants any of these da- damaging things to happen to him if they're going to happen what he wants to have he wants to have them happen in 2025 that's his goal right now so what this also means though is all of the good things that have already happened the finding of liability for fraud the finding that the cancellation of corporate charters is a, is an appropriate remedy that sort of that could result in the uh in the receivership and liquidation of most of trump's new york properties all of that is going to get that is all on pause right now it will probably remain on pause or, or stayed, at it, as it's called, pending the appeal. I don't think any of that is going to take place until the appellate process is played out, which I, I do think is going to take at least a year. Yeah. So let
0: me ask you this then, because yep. I've often said that the motherload of documents that Trump was hiding at Mar-a-Lardo, that he was going to use them to benefit himself get out of jail free card, sell them to the highest bidder, use it, you know, to obtain some sort of a benefit. And I believed that he would somehow, again, try to leverage this information. In your opinion, you think that he sold or traded that information? Obviously, there is a case right now that is pending and it is a criminal case. What are you hearing about this and what's your opinion on it?
1: You know, I think purely in my opinion, I think that there is a, I think there's a, I think there's a pretty good probability that he actually did give them that. Did he, was money exchanged? I actually, I don't think that as much. I think it was more of a favor trading situation. Uh, I think there is a good chance that he that he did that. But that's purely my opinion. Uh, I also do think there is a good chance that he did this so he would have them. He would have them in his tool belt, but he never actually got around to, to using them in the way that he was thinking he might have to use them uh, because it was clear that the feds were on to him by the spring and summer of 22. And so he never actually uh, did any favor trading with any of these documents. But what he was doing clearly is he was waving them around or referring to them or talking about them as a way to look impressive to people. It doesn't matter that he was the freaking president of the United States. He still is so insecure that he felt this like gnawing need to puff himself up in front of random guests that show up at one of his properties and like talk like he's a big guy still. And it's like, and thereby he was showing these things off. But was he then actually using them to trade for favors? I look, I do think that there's a good possibility that he did so. Uh, For one thing, where did all the missing documents go? We still, we've forgotten about that. This case has been going on long enough now. Remember that they found when they did the, uh, the, 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 they served the search warrant and they did the search, the FBI. Yep. There were a bunch of folders that were empty. And those folders yep. had had, uh, had had various classified uh, markings on them. Also, as a number of people have pointed out, a number of those documents that they did find and then they took photographs of them on the floor with that hideous carpet. We all know that picture. A number of those photos, uh, a number of folks that, that know more about national security stuff than I do, have pointed out that a number of those documents look to be copies not originals, because in the original, the the that colored border would go all the way to the edge of the paper, and they don't in these uh, documents that were there on the floor. So those are not the originals. Those are copies. If that is true, I don't know that that's true, but if that is true, it raises more questions about like, well, where the heck did the rest of these documents go to? Okay. So there are a lot of question marks right. there that make me believe that there is something else that we don't know. Okay, so
0: here's the scenario, yep. the way I see it. It's actually one of the reasons why I do truly want to throw my hat in in primary, Jerry Nadler for the 12th Congressional <laughs> District here in New York. I'm dead serious about it too. Yeah. If my wife would give me the thumbs up, I'd be in the race tomorrow. I'm not joking you. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we know we know that there were empty file folders. Now, mm-hmm. the nice thing is the documentation that is involved can be backtracked. So they know that if file number 1-234567 dash You know Mm -hmm. that there are corresponding documents. If you go into that through their mainframe, it could tell you that that file folder had seven pieces of paper into it. It could have been marked eyes only, meaning for the person who wrote it. It could have been for a committee. I don't know what it would relate to, but we do know that there are missing empty file folders. And we also know that they have the ability to go back and figure out what documents were in there depending upon whether or not, again, it was for eyes only, maybe there were no copies made. I don't, again, I don't know. But on some of them, there must be. We're talking about our national security. We're talking about things that affect whether it's agents, whether it's other countries, national security. They're marked classified, top secret for a reason. All right. The fact that there is not already, forgetting about an investigation, fuck that! Enough already with the slow walking bullshit. This is like putting a, a, a toddler on, a, on, for example, you know, wheels on, on a bicycle with training wheels, and now he's twenty years old and he's still riding the bicycle with training wheels. He yeah. knows, he knows how to do it. He knows that they need to come. They need to move the case not just expeditiously. It needs to be done like lightning because our national security is in jeopardy and the orange Jesus, the Mandarin Mussolini, is out there showing this shit to people and that's the stuff that he still has, not even the stuff that's missing. I don't understand what our congressional committees are doing. It is our safety and more, more important than anything else right now, more important than climate change, more important than the price of fuel, more important than the economy, is the national security and the safety of all Americans. That's the president's first duty as president of the United States to those of us, including those that didn't vote for him. That is his duty to ensure your safety. If there's something out there, which there is, I don't care what anybody says, if you have a missing, if you've missing papers from a top secret classified folder, we need to know where those documents are, what they did with them, and who has them now. Otherwise, we could be in serious trouble as a country. Why? Why have they not done something?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I, I think you're on to something there Michael. I think that the, the the kicker here is you know it's the again the Senate the Senate still has the ability I mean you have a Democratic Senate uh, I, and now you even have got to a point where it's 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 5149. the first the first period there was 5050. you basically had tied committees so you couldn't really get anything out of committee. You couldn't have voted subpoenas out of a committee up until, It's now 5149, but it is 5149 now. And so they actually do have a majority and a lot of committees have 18 members in the Senate and it's 10-8 in favor of the Democrats. There are plenty of opportunities now to launch new investigations into what has happened in some of these matters. And it is really long past time for there to be some additional effort being uh, taken here. Uh, You know, This is something else that I've now written about Uh, and I'm going to be talking about more is it's about what we can do, right? What we can do as, as, as private citizens. And a lot of the answer is, would we have really had what we have now? And we've got the, we've got the J six trial of Trump happening starting in February in DC, right? That indictment, would it have ever happened had it not been for the January six committee in the house? I don't know. I don't know if it ever would have happened. Uh, It really does appear that, that committee's work and the political uh, impetus that underlaid it was a lot of you know it might have had a very strong impact and maybe the pivotal impact on DOJ finally appointing a special counsel and setting up Jack Smith with his office to actually go pursue these things not just to go after the ground troops who broke the windows and smashed people up and 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 injured and and assaulted um and scarred these uh police officers And desecrated our Capitol. That had already been happening. Okay, we'd already been going after those guys. But going after the ringleaders and actually going all the way up to the top of the conspiracy. I don't know. I haven't
0: seen one single member of Congress being held accountable. And we know for example, but we know for example that you know there were members of Congress that led groups through the Capitol Prior to, so that they knew exactly where Nancy Pelosi's office was. They knew exactly where the hearings were being conducted. They had a roadmap of where to go, how to do it, and so on. Nobody, other than a bunch of fucking dummies, a bunch of redneck idiots with four teeth and three fucking brain cells, they're the only ones, like Stuart Rhodes, 18 years. While the rest of these guilty son of a bitches are all running free and clear, I, I don't or get they're it. Are they going to be? Are they frustrated be really, with yeah. our government?
1: Yeah. No. And the, look, and the sentences that they gave to those guys that actually committed a lot of the violence have been insanely low, ridiculous. These guys are getting put away for like yep. two, three years, and it should be twenty or thirty. Like it, it, that—that's another problem. Okay. But to get back to your point about the Mar a Lago case, look, I do believe that the that. You know, a lot of our job to try to move these things along, we need to we need to insist on the justice and accountability happening. We can't just put these people in office and then hope that they're going to do a good job. Like we need to keep up public pressure to make sure that these guys have the courage and the wherewithal and the resources to be able to do their jobs. Um, And if if they don't seem to have that backbone, we sometimes need to provide it for them. And I think that that may be what we need to do with some of these matters if we think that they're going too slowly, and, and you know some of it is some of it could be DOJ's fault with, with how they've handled the Mar-a-Lago thing.
0: A lot of it is DOJ's fault. I think, I think fault. a lot
1: of it, and then there's some of it that just, just with the indictment that they did bring that now is being held up by Judge Cannon. I think that now is maybe the time that we need to see action take on Capitol Hill for the Senate. To start opening up investigations into what is happening here in parallel, the way that they did and, and move it along the way that they did with the J6, <laughs> the way that they did with the J6 Tristan, investigation.
0: Tr- Tristan, as a citizen, I did it exactly the way that you're describing. I yeah. filed my FOIA requests. Right. And I write this in my book, Revenge. I filed the FOIA request. They come back with a the response. There are no documents That are responsive to your request. I know they're lying because somehow I had four documents that were exactly responsive. So I turn it over to counsel who files the action. And all of a sudden, two or three months later, they respond back. Oops, sorry, you're right. This is under, by the way, now a Democratic president. I'm asking for these FOIA documents. It turns out there's 486,000 documents. So it went from zero, nothing there, to 400. And to this day, I am now coming on the 20th month since the judge said that they need to process 500 documents a month. I have not received a single document. Any one of these documents will show that Donald, through his willing and complicit attorney general, Bill Barr unconstitutionally remanded a United States citizen to prison because that citizen refused to waive their First Amendment constitutional right. And if that doesn't scare the shit out of you, there's something fucking wrong with you. And I keep trying to say that. And so many members of Congress, so many, Congressman Steve Cohen, Congressman Dan Goldman, Congressman Jamie Raskin, Senator Dick Durbin, Congressman uh, Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lieu, they've all asked for investigations to be open. And so far, nothing. So I could understand why citizens today say, what the fuck do you want me to do? What do you think I can do? Government, and it's a Democrat. It's a Democratic, you know administration right now what's the chance i'm going to get a single document under god forbid another trump administration and the answer is zero but you know what you know what the answer is under this administration under somebody like americ garland's doj fucking zero too. that's why people have no faith in our government but speaking about having no faith i want to ask you this then i want to talk for a second about judge chutkin and how she denied Trump's efforts to gain immunity. Mm-hmm. Now, do me a favor. Explain to my listeners this whole scenario, as well as what's your take. How do you think that she's handling Trump?
1: I think so far so good. You know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when when they're actually looking at each other. You know, about you know fifty feet away from one another, uh, coming up very soon, uh, and and see if she. Uh, is able to keep her cool as well as I think Judge Angoron has in New York, uh, but so far so good. She certainly was not afraid of throwing punches in that opinion, um, which I think you know rightly so uh, was was very very dismissive, literally and figuratively, of Trump's arguments there. So what's going on here is that Trump was basically trying to say, well, because I'm a former president, I'm immune from this prosecution. Goodbye, I get out and. Uh, You know, as far fetched as that would seem, it was actually an argument that at least needed to be taken somewhat seriously and given the legal analysis and so forth and so on. And we got a decision from her and we got a decision from an appeals court, all basically saying, like, no, that's not how it works. After you leave the office, there's there's zero doctrine to say that you get any other special privileges in terms of immunity from prosecution. What do you get when you leave the White House? You get a pension. You get a secret service detail. You get a you get money from Congress for a presidential library, unless your name is Donald Trump, in which case you don't read, so you haven't actually bothered to set up a library yet, and probably never will, unless it's in a prison. It's called the port. Um, it's
0: called the porta potty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the porta potty at Leavenworth. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where he, we'll exactly. see where hopefully he ends up. But the um, but the but the kicker is that. You don't get you don't get this other stuff. You don't get it. So, and we've got there, there's look. It's not hard to come up with that as a doctrine. Uh, and, it, and it's it, it, you know only the most completely out there judge could, could possibly go along with that argument. If it were ever allowed, it would be it would be the sign that our that our entire republic is dead. Like that is obviously what would happen. Like we if we're going to start handing immunity to former presidents, like that's just the end. Uh, it didn't happen here. And I like that. I like.
0: I like the decision. The decision. Yeah, I like the statement good. that she made yeah. in that decision. Right. She was like, you know, it is not a get out of jail free card for the rest of your life simply nope. because you were the former president. I just thought it was not only was it comical, it was really poignant.
1: It was very poignant. She 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 really she really laid it on thick. I think it needed to be done. And it was a bit of a shot across the bow to Trump and his lawyers that they better get ready Mm -hmm. because she is not going to be taking shit from anybody. Uh, I do expect to see her have a very firm hand on the courtroom. uh, And that is a very, very, very key thing. When When you have cases where you have a high profile defendant on trial and you have a judge who is not willing to take that gavel and use it, that is when problems happen. It happened in the O.J. Simpson case because uh, where the judge really didn't do enough to to, to actually rein in the, the the counsel for for Simpson. It happened in one of the high profile John Gotti cases back in the eighties. The judge lost complete control of the courtroom, and the lawyers for Gotti basically spent a bunch of time successfully tarring and defaming the uh, the U.S. attorneys on that matter. You can't have a situation like that where the bench loses control of the court. Uh, of of the courtroom and doesn't manage to rein in the attorneys on both sides. So the fact that Judge Mm -hmm. Shutkin has been there saying, like, I got this I'm on this and I'm actually you give me a bullshit argument, I'm going to whack it away. So I think that it's a very good sign for for everybody there. Uh, And it just it really reestablished the principle that, no, any such privilege that a president might have while in office, which, by the way, I disagree with and I disagree with DOJ's memo on this very much. But any such privilege that you possibly could come up with ends the moment that their presidency is over. It applies to the office, not to the individual.
0: You know, I say this all the time and some people, you know, especially the ones who really hate Trump the most. I don't want to see Donald Trump indicted, prosecuted, convicted or sentenced simply because I fundamentally disagree with him or I don't like him. Right. I want to see him indicted. Prosecuted, convicted, and sentenced because he broke the law. It's right. called accountability. And trust me, I know I went to fucking prison for things I didn't even do. And every day I fight in order to educate the uneducatable, the idiots that are out there that, oh, you're a liar, you're a rat, you're that. You're, I mean, those are all Trump's words. They refused to acknowledge, I never paid Karen McDougal, but yet I was charged. I never committed tax evasion, though, you know, it's a tax omission. You know, unlike, is, yeah. it's, I'm not even going to get into it because I yeah. talk about it all the time. It's I wrote a whole fucking book on it. You know, right. let, me, let me jump into something even more important for my listeners here. Because there are some, and I think you'll acknowledge this, there's some really very, very capable prosecutors who have now... Um, they have Trump in their sights. Mm-hmm. Which of so. all of these cases, and sometimes it's very hard to keep track, but which of the cases do you think will have the most impact on his future? And do you think that he'll ultimately end up in jail based upon any one of them?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good point. And yeah, it's, it's kind of where I end up at the at the sort of tail end of of, of my book, taking down Trump. Uh, to t- in the epilogue I start yeah you know, I really talk about all the different cases and where I think they're headed and and I think that the overall arc is that before the New York AG's office in the Trump University and Trump Foundation cases really showed that there were ways to kind of you know score some hit points on the Death Star not a lot of people were were, were, were beating him very little you know almost never uh, you know I Michael you probably can't think of too many times when you were working with him that that anybody actually beat you guys I'm guessing probably just didn't no. happen
0: no in, in fact in fact if it wasn't if it wasn't for the the whole presidency I'm not even sure that the New York AG's case against Trump University would have resulted in it, the success it that it, it might not that it have. did
1: it was going to go to trial and it might not have won and then the uh, the civil case in San Diego was going to go to trial, and it might not have won. Definitely, the fact that mm-hmm. he the, the, look after November's after November after the November election, and he was declared the winner. That was when the settlements happened. He didn't want the distraction right when he was about to go to the White House. Uh, and yeah, well, it, it, in
0: all fairness, Tristan, in all yeah. fairness, he knew he was going to lose. Yeah. He knew he was going to lose. Right. But and what he didn't want is he didn't want that loss right. while he was president did, because that, of course, it would, would diminish his right, it, it, his inflated ego. But please continue. Yeah,
1: yeah it would have been embarrassing. Yeah. There, oh, there is definitely a chance that, that, that he could have beaten uh, uh, the plaintiffs in both of those cases, including the AG's case. But uh, I think that until then, though, until you saw those victories happen in, 20, in 2017 is when the Trump University case went final. 2019 is when the Trump Foundation case resulted in that settlement and shutting down mm-hmm. the foundation and, and all of that. Until those cases, you didn't really see a lot of prosecutors even try to go after him. Or if no. they did, they kind of backed away. You didn't see private litigants really succeed too much against him until that point either. Now I think we've seen, and this is what tr- taking down Trump is, it's a playbook for people being able to see, like, how do you actually beat him in a prosecution or a litigation? And like you said, the people that have their sights on him now, they clearly understand the playbook. They understand what they need to do. They've been following it. Um, and, and now you're starting to see the results of all of that. And so I think that if I had to say, I really think that this case in DC, uh, before Judge Chutkin is, is really, I think that's going to be extremely powerful. It is a very narrowly drawn case. They did not indict him with a, with a ton of charges, but I think that that was on purpose. They really went lasered in on the, on the, I think it's five counts that they really thought they could get him on that they had not dead to rights on. And I think you're gonna see an enormous amount of very powerful testimony. Uh, the uh, headliners are gonna be people like Mike Pence and probably Mark Meadows. Uh, I think it's gonna be mm-hmm. very, very difficult for a jury to come away with any other conclusion than that Trump is guilty. The case is gonna be in DC. The judge has shown that she's not taking bullshit from anybody. The case has not been delayed. Which is key. Like we're, it's going to, it's going to jury selection on February fifth, I believe. Uh, she moved it up. It, this is it, the case is going to happen before the election. Um, I actually think that it, it'll be the first of the cases to go to a criminal trial, and I think we might get the the conviction right there. I think that might be it. And which one
0: of these cases? But which one of these cases do you think will ultimately?
1: Or which would
0: be the first one that sends him up the river? It
1: sends him to prison. So I think Judge Shutkin, I think that case is going to. I think Jack Smith and his team are going to get the first conviction right there. I, I do. I believe they're going to get it. Um, then that's going to get appealed. But I think that it's possible that you, we could get some expedition put on the appeals, given that he will be the Republican nominee for president. He's going to be on that. He's going to be on ballot. So. If he's going to be appealing,
0: I'm not 100 percent certain on that one. Not, okay,
1: maybe not. But it's. But I think I think right now, unless we know otherwise, that's probably what's going to happen. You you've got to hope that in that situation, the appeals courts could step on it and actually hear the appeals faster. Uh, I don't think it's going to get overturned on appeal. Uh, you know, it could be that the final uh, bit of that is it is that he tries to get the Supreme Court to hear it and they decline. And that could be that his uh, that his efforts to avoid prison sort of go out with a with a whimper, not a bang. Um, I think it's possible that he actually could go to prison in 2024. I do. I actually don't think it's I crazy. do also. I think that it, I think you know could. it's one
0: of the reasons. Yep, it's one I of the reasons y- Tristan's yeah, why. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Yep. Yeah.
0: No, it's one of the reasons why he is out there right now, threatening people like Mark Milley threatening other uh, individuals because he's sending a message that, again, if he wins, the first thing he's doing is rewriting the Constitution. Mm -hmm. He's getting rid of the legislative branch, the judiciary, and conferring all power to the executive branch. He's sending a quiet message to Supreme Court judges. I don't give a flying shit about you and your fucking black robe, especially those of you who I appointed— to the Supreme Court, if you do me dirty, I'm gonna I'm gonna send my task force, when I have that power, we're gonna show up to your house, we're gonna lock you up, and we're gonna send you off to Guantanamo Bay. The same thing that he's saying to the uber, uber rich, your money is not your money, right? When the United States government, the power, the full power of the government is in my hands, you will be in serious trouble. That's what he's doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the desperation is really key here. And then, yeah, and then he, I think he's doing, there's a lot of message sending. There's a lot of witness intimidation. That's a lot of what this is, is oh, he's yeah. sending messages to all these people that are about to testify against him. Uh, so there's that one. And then I think, look, I think we're going to see a trial in the Atlanta case at some point in the spring. Uh, you know, I think that one. I think they've done a really great job. I think that they've done They've pulled together an enormous amount of material and they've gone after all of these other defendants, not just Trump. And it was a Herculean effort that they've undertaken for themselves. That said, I do worry about that office, the Fulton County DA's office and them having. uh, I think it's been really like they deserve a medal for what they've done with the resources that they've got versus the feds. Because they have pulled together an even bigger case despite having way fewer resources. Uh, I still think that they're going to be able to get a conviction in that matter, too. But it's a bigger case, and there's a lot more moving parts. And I just think that it could get delayed a little bit more. And so it might not be the winner, so to speak, in terms of what's going to get the first conviction for sentencing. Um, I don't have any. Now, look, I think that if, if the Mar-a-Lago case were being brought in front of a normal judge, that case would have been almost done by now. Because it's it's really yep. cut and dried. The evidence is extremely overwhelming, and they've got so much good material. And I th- they've got videotapes. They've got the IT guy who was told to delete the videotapes. They've got an enormous amount of stuff on him there. And but the problem is Judge Cannon. So I don't know if that one's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and then it's been very clear that in the uh, in in the case with that, that you'll be testifying in Michael. That that case, the judge has made it clear that they intend to take a back seat to these other cases. And I don't I think you guys are in for a scheduling conference in February to determine when that trial will happen on the hush money.
0: That's assuming the other cases, yeah, but that assumes that the other cases are moving forward. I think that's right. If, in fact, that there's delays in any of those cases, then, they then they Alvin Bragg will move forward with the I March they, date. Absolutely. I
1: hope that they don't yeah. jump in, but I have a feeling that we might and not that, be seeing that one right away. So we'll see. It's possible. Yeah, And we'll I'll see.
0: tell you one thing about Judge Chutkin. Judge yeah. Chutkin, in my opinion, if, in fact, that he is found guilty... I believe that she remands him pending appeal. I don't think that he gets bonded Ooh. out. I think that there's a whole series of things here that she can and will do, uh, specifically under the guise that he's a flight risk. He has not one but two airplanes. Yeah. He's got dozens and dozens of, of uh, friends who have private planes. He's got property overseas. He has people who he can turn to uh, like Mohammed bin Salman or maybe his best friend now, uh, you know, the, the president of Hungary, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Orban. I mean, there's plenty of places that he can go to avoid extradition. And I could see her based upon his actions and the attacks on judges and staff and and the families and witnesses. And so I could really see her uh, doing something like that. But Tristan, look, as yes. the hour comes to a, you know, comes to, it, it's so, it's, we can get lost in this for hours. Because <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. about at least a dozen more questions for you. I want to ask you this at the end What are the chances that the supposedly bipartisan group, No Labels, will disrupt the 2024 election? I mean, who does somebody, for example, like Joe Manchin hurt more? The Democrats or the Republicans?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, look. I mean, my 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 sort of initial response is, I don't really. If, if they're banking on Joe Manchin to be a vote getter for them, then go ahead. That's that's great in my opinion. Manchin is not a very scintillating personality, so I don't really see him being able to get a lot of votes based on his performance. If they want to run him, though, great. Uh, you know, uh, if they want to run him with you know Kirsten Cinema, given that she's not going to win that Senate seat. Uh, her fundraising is, is terrible. She's not actually getting Republicans to support her in Arizona or with money. Um, go ahead. Who is it really? Gonna, I, I don't know that they're really going to to, to to disrupt things too, too much. But the problem is that even a little bit of damage might be very, very problematic. Who will they take more votes away from? I think it's an open question. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that would uh, that are not gonna be able to bring themselves to vote for Biden, they would stay home or hold their nose and vote for Trump, who might be willing to then support, uh, you know, no labels or something else. Um, I don't know if people mm-hmm. that were already planning on voting for Biden are gonna are going to are gonna vote for no labels. There's got, there gonna be some, but I don't know if it's gonna be in enough numbers to really do a lot of damage. Uh, and at the end of the day even if they pull like a couple percentage points nationally is it going to be enough to tilt the balance in any particular state i don't know you know i look i'm, I'm not super worried about them but it's obviously something that bears a lot of uh, watching because it even a small even a small problem here could have catastrophic effects
0: you know i don't think that the election is going to be as close as media right now is portraying. In fact, and you know, I'm a skeptic of the media. I was when I questioned Brianna Keeler with the famous says who. Interestingly enough, I was right. When I turned around and I said, I knew the poll that she was referring to mm-hmm. and I knew it was bullshit. If you are going to poll, say 70% of re- Democratic voters who have voted Democrat, the last 10 elections what do you think the outcome is going to be I believe that many in the media right now are skewing the polls in order to keep people active enticed uh, yes you know I do. committed to their television yes. because when you start talking about for example I saw this yesterday Donald is increasing his um his base of Muslims And the first thing I say is bullshit. This is a guy who the first thing he tried to do in 2017, not do an infrastructure bill, a Muslim ban. He wants to outlaw an entire religion from this country. Then you say, oh, well, he's improving with blacks as well. And I say this is a man who refused, refused to utter the name George Floyd or any other black male who was killed right, for no reason whatsoever, he couldn't have the empathy to go ahead and to say what's going on here is wrong, no, he starts going Black Lives Matter, everything is Black Lives Matter, or Antifa, and so on, and then they're now the Hispanic vote, I'm not talking about the Cubans, I'm talking about Hispanic votes, oh, Univision, and so bullshit, this is a guy who came out day number one before even, just, ex- just, just, announcing he's going to run for president, attacking Mexicans as rapists, murderers, drug deals. But don't worry, there's a few good ones. The same thing with Jews. Do we not remember Charlottesville and his refusal to denounce David Duke and so on? These aren't Michael Cohen's words. These aren't Tristan Snell's words. These are Donald fucking Trump's words, plain and simple. And yet the polls are saying, oh, and he's doing better now, allegedly, with Gen Z. Really? The only generation that has lost civil rights that have lost in the last 50 plus years, I'm not buying any of this yeah, bullshit. And I think that a blue wave is gonna be much more significant than people even imagine.
1: Yeah, I think that the proof is in the pudding with like the poll, look, there are two problems there. One you I just identified, which is that the media is going to want to report on these polls and, and I think possibly conduct them in such a way that it looks like a really tight horse race because that's better for ratings. I think there's definitely an issue there. The other issue is that on the Republican side, they are definitely doing a lot of work to pump, to basically flood the zone. And they've been doing Mm -hmm. this for years now, flood the zone with a bunch of skewed polls that make these races look better for Republicans than they actually are because it's better for donors. They wanna make the donors feel like it's a tighter race because they're more likely to give. If they understood that it really was looking as bleak as it was, they might not be giving nearly as much. That's that's a lot of why they do it there. So what the proof's in the pudding, the best evidence for what's really going on out in America is when we actually have people vote in these special elections or off-year elections, state elections, whatever. And there you look at, say, look at Virginia where it was, oh, well, the, the whole narrative going in was like, well, Glenn Youngkin's really close to being able to take over the other house of the Virginia legislature, and then he's going to be able to do what he wants and pass an abortion ban and uh, and do more book banning and do this and do that. Uh, and instead, it went completely the other direction. Not only did the Republicans yeah, not take the one house that they were trying to take, they lost the one they had. And now both Democratic yeah. house, both Democratic both houses in Virginia are now Democratic. Uh, they lost that Wisconsin Supreme Court seat. They lost the Pennsylvania legislature. Like they lost the mayoralty of Jacksonville, Florida, which up to that point had been the largest Republican mayor's office in the country. Uh, in, a, in a county, there, Duval County in, in, in Florida, had been uh, had been. Uh, I think it was eleven points in favor of DeSantis, and then only a year later, it went four points in favor of the Democratic. uh, I am a firm believer, Tristan. 15 point swing in one year. So you're telling me. Yeah, I'm a firm believer. Look what happened in Ohio. In Ohio, where it's like, Ohio was like, great, now abortion's in our state constitution. And by the way, we're legalizing weed while we're at it. It's like, do they really think there's this massive red wave out there that wants to return Trump to power? Like, look at what's actually happened when people have had to cast a ballot. If you extrapolate from that, and then you look at the fundamental economic numbers, which are the best that they've been since we started keeping all of this data in terms of GDP growth, high inflation, mostly back to normal employment at historic lows. If, if any other president had those fundamental economic numbers, you'd say they were going to cruise to reelection. The numbers for Joe yeah, Biden would... right now look better than they did for Ronald Reagan in 1984 yep. when he had his big landslide.
0: They put so, him up on Mount Rushmore. Tristan, yeah, let me to. thank you, my brother. Yep, they would put, yeah, not Donald. They would put Joe Biden up on Mount oh, Rushmore yeah, yeah, exactly. if anybody yeah. had his numbers. Yeah. Tristan, yeah. let me thank you, my brother, for joining us. There's going to be a lot more to talk about um, as more of these cases. So I hope I'm going to ask you to come back. We're going to talk more about as additional decisions uh, start coming or maybe even another indictment soon so Tristan yeah. thank you my friend for joining us and I will definitely definitely be speaking to you again
1: thank you thanks Michael take care
0: and now for today's mea culpa I mean lots of stuff pisses me off you all know that I have very little patience for this shit but gun violence gun violence fucking drives me absolutely fucking insane why well because I asked this What kind of society sacrifices their kids in favor of firearms? 630. Let me say it again. 630 mass shootings to date in 2023. I mean, how many days are there in a year? 365? So that's like two mass shootings a day. And Wednesday, minutes after Republicans in Congress voted against safe gun laws, well. Guess what happened? They voted against universal firearms, background checks, legislation that 90% of Americans support. And then, then just three hours later, there was another mass shooting, this time on the UNLV campus. So I'm going to say it again, three hours later, three people dead, one seriously injured on a crowded college campus. All right, let's stop for a second, because seriously, folks, when will it fucking end? And when they say the problem isn't the guns, it's the people shooting the guns, that's fucking bullshit. Enough! Guns are actually the problem. And it's not just guns, it's guns and Republicans. I mean, guns don't protect themselves, Republicans do. And they refuse to listen to voters. Voters just don't pay like the NRA. I mean, we pay with our lives if, God forbid, a million times we get caught in a mass shooting. But the NRA, they simply pay with cash. As tireless gun safety advocate Senator Chris Murphy said after Wednesday's UNLV shooting, and I quote, This carnage is a choice. Maybe not yours and mine, but this is what Republicans want. A society that lives in fear of itself. Now, according to the New York Times, most Republicans in the Senate represent deeply conservative states where gun ownership is treated as a sacred privilege enshrined in the Constitution, a privilege not to be infringed upon no matter how much blood is spilled in classrooms and school hallways around the country. So here's the question, my friends. How do we change that narrative? We need to because shooters aren't picky about whose kids they kill when they go on these fucking rampage. The senators from red states don't see an upside when their constituents might vote them out of office. But when holding on to your job becomes more important than protecting the voters that you're there to serve, well, that's a serious fucking problem. Guns are code for power, and Republicans are losing the culture wars. so what do they have left? The power to take us all out. That's what they have. And guns, guns are also a symbol, like the fucking ugly red hat is a symbol. And MAGA is a symbol. And the Confederate flag is a symbol. These are symbols of violence, and the message, the message is hate every single time Republicans vote against gun safety, it's also a symbolic gesture, a bow towards lawlessness and the MAGA agenda. And the message is most certainly hate. So let's let's all do this. Let's turn the tide with a gigantic, gigantic, giant blue wave in 2024. That way they don't have to worry about their decision on gun violence let's kick their asses right out and put people on that believe that more important than their jobs is life and as always my friends thanks for listening Maya Culpa is written by Paula Killen our managing producer and editor is Lisa Orkin Maya Culpa is a Midas Touch podcast executive produced by the Midas Touch Network and LSJ Media Group Make